Expand and impact. Internal transformation for external impact. Achieve your goals without sacrificing yourself. I'm Violetta Znarkowski, but you can call me Violet. Welcome back to another episode of the Expand and Impact podcast, a space where we explore how you can create a successful life that is an authentic expression of you, and where we also explore the intersection between personal development and gender equality. Today, I'm joined by special guest Kim Stark. Before I tell you more about her, I must say this conversation really shatters the socially constructed paradigm that you have to hustle your butt off to be successful. If you're looking for an example of a driven and ambitious woman who hustled her way to success, from working in the film industry to starting, scaling, and then selling her own business to slowing down and learning to achieve from a more sustainable, nourishing, and supportive place, she's your gal to get inspired by, to truly believe, and to see to believe that changing the way you work, the way you live, and prioritizing how you feel really works and is possible. In this conversation, we talk about the power of rest and one of my favorite topics, how to discern the voice of your intuition versus the voice of a fearful ego trying to keep you looping in the same patterns and choices that are familiar, but not necessarily in alignment with how you want your life and success to feel. Kim is very candid about the journey she's still on in learning to embrace more rest and moving at a slower pace. She opens up about the resistance she experiences of not wanting to be still and not fully wanting to be at rest and to be at peace, something I know most high achievers experience. This internal push-pull between knowing something is good for you, a part of you desires it, and yet being overridden by a deeper impulse that is trying to convince you that you should keep doing, you should keep moving, and that that is how things simply should be done in order to achieve anything. This being said, we also briefly touch on the role your nervous system plays in being able to actually cultivate and sustain more ease and flow in how you work and how you live. A little bit more about Kim then, who she is, what she does, and her mission today before we fully jump into the conversation. Kim Stark is an entrepreneur, a business coach, a podcast host, and a proficient napper. For the last 12 years, Kim spent creating and running Australia's favorite wheatbag brand, Wheatbags Love, where she went on a big journey from experiencing burnout, stress, and fatigue to then discovering that there's a much better way to do business. She discovered that the more she let go of fear, listened to her intuition, and followed her heart, the easier things became. Her business naturally flourished by working in alignment and resting when her body communicated to her that it was needing some rest and some extra nourishment. After selling her business in 2022, She's now on a mission to shatter the cultural myth that you need to work really hard to succeed as a small business. Through her podcast, Slow Down and Thrive, and her coaching sessions, 
Kim helps female business owners to achieve success while also prioritizing their well-being and working at a pace that feels good for them. But you don't have to be a business owner to take away from this conversation and leave it feeling inspired and motivated to do things differently. This is a conversation between two humans, more specifically between two high achievers, about career pivots, fighting the ego, ego death, coping with being ignored when you are showing up and doing your best and really following your dreams, learning to relax and what that actually looks like in your mind and your body, and releasing that grip and that internal pressure and urgency and this need to be available all of the time. There is so much nuance and depth in this conversation. And without further ado, I think it's a great time to pause here on my monologue and jump straight into it, shall we? What informs your identity? I think it's all the experiences I've had, right? I think we are part of our environment. So the people I meet, the experiences, the events, and then the learnings. I think I'm naturally someone who is a growth-seeking, self-development junkie. So I definitely love to learn. And through that learning, whether it's adding to my identity or more likely shaving off all the parts that I've picked up along the way that actually aren't me. (laughs) And so it's that classic Michelangelo's David. It's like, carving out the bits that aren't the statue, you know. So more and more finding my identity as who I am authentically inside and really dropping everything else that's not me. I really appreciate that answer and I resonate with that deeply. I often find that this path is more of an undoing than it is taking on. And the more we undo, the more peacefully we actually get to live we get a deeper sense of calm and inner freedom which is what your work has shifted to today and i'd love for you to share anything that's coming up right now anything that feels relevant about where you came from i know that you were working for 12 years building a business that you since sold and the direction of your life has shifted tremendously from that former version of yourself And if it's okay, I'd like to hear more about that former version. Yeah, well, the business I did for 12 years came out of being a massage therapist. So before that, I was working in film and television. So very high paced, high stress, long hours. And so I went and completely changed careers and studied massage, remedial massage, and then was running my own business doing that and was like, came back from actually being from Byron, I went back to Melbourne and I was pretty broke. And, and, and my thing was like, what can I make? So that's always my thing of what can I make? So I started making wheat bags for my clients and then they were doing really well. So I started selling them to other clinics and other physios and osteos. And then when my body gave me very clear messages to stop massaging, like it was really becoming very unavoidable that I needed to stop massaging, I was like, oh, I think I'm going to pursue selling wheat bags. So I, I did the government small business incentive scheme and started this handmade creative business, which <laughs> was just uh, a lot of fun in the beginning. Like I taught myself screen printing because I wanted to create my own fabric. 
So I was doing my own fabric and screen printing everything, sewing everything. So it was very much a creative business and then learning how to run a product business at the same time. So those first three or four years was very much creating and learning and doing markets and and I guess the stress that sort of started to build because as a massage therapist I used to coach people on how not to be stressed from a muscle point of view and I remember thinking it's interesting I don't feel stressed at all and here I am talking about people being stressed and so when I started to really become hyper stressed I didn't I wasn't aware right like I was just operating And I was operating under all these programs of trying to be the best, trying to achieve and trying to prove that I could make this business successful and obviously wanting to make it successful from a financial point of view, wanting it to be the thing that was supporting me. So there was a lot riding on it and a lot of pressure that I put on myself and there was very long hours because also what I created for myself was a highly labor-intensive business. Like I was making jewelry and handbags and all these things. And the jewelry, I got uh, laser cut wood. And so each piece had to be sanded and then I hand painted every piece. And then there was three layers that got glued together and then sanded again and then sealed. And it was just like, yeah, I know, right? So I kind of like created all of that sort of labor intense stress myself. And it came out of just just doing and not really planning or thinking and just being like, oh, well, that's what I want to do next. And so I got to this real place of giving a lot to my business. And I had been doing trade shows for about two years. And this one particular trade show, I just put everything into it. I had extended my range, spent a lot of money making a beautiful new stand and had so many different products and went to Sydney, did this trade show. And everyone just ignored me. It was really heartbreaking, didn't get many sales. And I actually had, I guess the, my sort of breakdown moment came from that trade show. I, I walked outside and I found this little grassy spot outside in the park opposite. And I just was in fetal position, crying my eyes out. And I remember just crying, going, I cannot give any more to this business. Like it has to start giving back to me. So that was my dark night of the soul. I was turning 30. It was my satin return. Broke up with a long-term boyfriend at the same time. So it was a crumbling of everything that kind of happened. So from that point, I really took a step back and realized how out of alignment my business was. And I realized I had added all these extra things. So I started with the wheat bags, but I had all these other things that I added, like the jewelry and handbags, and I was making planter boxes and table runners and cushions and all sorts of stuff and realized that I didn't actually, it didn't agree with my values. Like Mm. I was, I am still quite an environmentally friendly person and I was just producing this stuff because I thought that's what people wanted to buy versus I looked at the wheat bags and was like, actually, I feel really value aligned with making wheat bags because I know that they help people. I use them every day. I love them. They're environmentally friendly they're not just a pretty thing that people are going to use for two months and then throw away. So I was like, realized that I had been fighting my ego. And that was a huge lesson for me because my ego was saying, I don't want to be the wheat bag lady. It's not cool. (laughs) I really wanted this like cool brand, this designer brand. And I just, in this like dark night of the soul was like, I have to get rid of everything. And I'm just going to focus on the wheat bags. I even toyed with just becoming a painter. 
you know. Mm-hmm. And I think I chickened out a little bit there. I thought, well, I don't know if I could make money being a painter. So I did chicken out a little bit and I was like, no, I'll stick with the wheat bags. They really resonate with people. People love them. And I've been the one that's, oh no, look at all my other cool stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, so I rebranded everything and the next phase of the business was really growing just through the wheat bags and it became a lot easier. I was no longer pushing, as I say, pushing shit uphill. Like I I was yeah. more in alignment. And so sales were naturally coming to me then. So I didn't have that awful experience of being at a trade show and being ignored. People were coming over and wanting to buy the wheat bags. So that's how the business became easier. And then the next step of learning how not to be super stressed in my business was actually kind of the universe stepped in and took over for me. And I had been on a holiday in Byron again. So it's always about Byron Bay, I think. <laughs> it so, is a special pl- it is a special place that has just it's, it's yeah, this potent energy around it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> so I had this little voice and it was the first time I really heard my intuition and the little voice went, you should move to Byron Bay. And I was like, oh, hell no. Because I was working every day in the studio. I was turning up. I was like doing everything. I was I had help at that point, which is another really important step that I learned in business was outsourcing. So I had help in the studio. I had other sewers. I had someone managing the studio, which then enabled this little voice that said I should move to the other side of the country. (laughs) And it just happened. Like this whole, this, everything just fell into place. And within two weeks, I'd moved to Byron Bay. It was crazy. And so that was the next big step of learning how to work a better way in my business was actually removing myself physically. So then I was running it from a distance. I was handing things more to my staff. And then I was also learning how to relax. And I think being in the nature, I had this beautiful cabin out in the rainforest and learning that if I went off to the beach in the morning, my business didn't fall over. Like, I think at that time I felt really guilty and someone would have texted me or called me from the studio and I would be like, oh no, I'd have a nap. That's right. I'd have a nap. And then I'd wake up and someone would have asked me a question. And at that point I was very available to my staff. So I was always available except when I had a nap and I would like get back to the meeting. Oh, sorry. I was in a meeting. There was this real like meeting on the beach. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't owning that as a business owner, I get to choose how I'm spending my time. There was this real sense of, yeah, feeling like I had to be working nine to five, just like everybody else. So it was just all these little gradual steps. And every time I went on a holiday, I actually ended up moving back to Melbourne after seven months. But then whenever I went on a holiday, I would notice that my sales would increase. And so it was just over time realizing that the more that I allowed my energy to relax and expand, it's like my container for my business expanded as well. And I actually allowed more energy in terms of cash and sales and opportunities to come into my business because I could hold it versus when I was super stressed and trying to do everything myself and working really long hours in the business. It was like, of course, I was blocking sales coming in because my body was like, oh, I don't want to handle anymore. So it was, yeah, just a beautiful place to come to all these sort of lessons. And and then it was time to sell the business. So it just got to that point where I was like, I've been doing this for 12 years. I'm ready to move on. And yeah, 
managed to sell it to these two beautiful men who are continuing the business, which is really lovely for me because it's such a gorgeous business. And I'm, even though I wanted to move on, I really am super proud that it's still going and it's still out there because I know a lot of people love the product and definitely became one, if not, I think it's the biggest wheat bags business in Australia. And, and I just, yeah, love that it could carry on. But I was very happy to leave. So that was a year ago. And yeah, it took time off. And then I started my own podcast, Slow Down and Thrive, wanting to teach other people, mostly women, about how to work in alignment with their business, their values, their energy, so that we're not burning ourselves out. So we're not in this hustle push. Because I really truly believe, and it's not just me I've seen this with, I've seen it with lots of people that you can still make lots of money and support yourself and have a thriving, abundant business whilst moving, not necessarily, it doesn't have to be super slow, but moving at a pace that isn't going to burn you out. There's so many little dot points that I just started to jot down here on my end as you were sharing a part of your story. And one of the things that stood out to me early on in your journey is the language that you used around fighting the ego. And I'd like to take a moment to unpack that a little more because a lot of that urgency, a lot of that emotional overwhelm or turmoil, this like sensation of or this interpretation of being ignored at the trade show and this internal push pull between wanting to succeed and have a reputable brand that is a reflection of your creative genius is what I'm picking up. And at the same time, have it be successful and keeping in mind your own part that you play in it and your own well-being. And this egoic part of us is can be so strong and can be such a blocker to hearing our intuition. And it's definitely a voice or many voices where made up of many different parts that doesn't completely stop ever. But it sounds like you have built the internal resources and capacity to be able to notice when it's your intuition speaking and when it's a part of you that perhaps has a different agenda or that it's operating from maybe fear-based values and fear-based motivations. And I'm wondering if you can share a little bit more about that and how that looked specifically for you when you were fighting your ego, how you put it. Yeah, I've since learned how many different parts are operating and I get to choose which one I'm listening to. <laughs> so that was definitely such a huge learning and something that I employ every day in my business. So back then, it was definitely... I just thought I was me, right? So every thought was mine. I didn't know the difference between ego and intuition. And so I was just operating from all these programs. And so those programs were the ones that were telling me that to have a cool business and to not follow the wheat bags, even though that was the you know, intuitive push right from the very beginning was to create the wheat bags. And then I was the one that complicated things by pulling all the other stuff on it all the other products because my ego didn't like just doing wheat bags because I really honestly had this perception that that was really daggy. And mm -hmm. it took me years to really own and be like, no, this is a great product and I love this product and I'm the maker and owner of this product. So I think purely just through 
getting hit over the head a lot from the universe. Mm-hmm. It, that was the only thing that kind of really made me drop that story. So it was just I was hitting so many blocks in my business that obviously I had that moment of crying outside the trade show that it forced me to wake up and be like, oh, this isn't working. And I was at the rock bottom place of where you do get to really evaluate and strip away the ego and just be like, okay, I give up. Show me what I'm supposed to be doing. And over the years, especially the last three or four years, I've really tuned into the different parts inside of us. So I definitely, I'm always trying to follow my intuition versus my ego. And I, I treat that voice like the loving, either sometimes the loving child that's scared, that's more the inner child. And then the, the part that wants to, I don't think I necessarily have that part that's trying to be cool or create something that's really like fancy. I think I've pretty well dealt with that particular part of me. So the other parts that might come up are, yeah, the fear part, the ego that's trying to protect me and that's coming up to, because it wants to control things or it wants to create safety through staying in the known versus stepping into something unknown. So yeah, I do like to look at the ego, the mind as kind of the the computer but the thing that shouldn't be running our decisions. I really like how you describe it as a computer that has all of this different programming embedded and that behind all of the software, we have the power to update it. That we actually are the source behind all of the programming that can learn to work with these impulses and reactions and labels that we put on ourselves or that we aspire towards. And something that I notice is so common and I see it within myself as well, or maybe not so much now because I have a better understanding and a better relationship with all of these different aspects of myself and a lot of compassion of where I've came from and what I've done to survive and how I showed up in life in order to get through the best way I knew how during the time, like in the moment. But there is this common motivation that I notice of showing up a certain way. And the split between knowing that it doesn't matter, that we can be true to ourselves, whatever that means in the beginning, but also this very small impulse overshadows that clarity and that we may get lost in, that we may from time to time find ourselves being run by again. And I know that with the women that I work with, and I'm assuming that the women that you work with or are beginning to work with now, this is a really common block, this internal push-pull of cognitively and intellectually understanding that you get to decide how your life looks and you get to decide how you lead yourself, how you live, how you feel and how your professional life looks like. And you can make those changes by delegating, by finding different tools and resources. And yet sometimes we get really caught up in that perception, in this expectation that Although we know that we don't have to do something, we still feel inclined to do it for whatever reason. 
I'm wondering if that makes sense to you and if you've experienced something like that. Ah. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, it's my main challenge for mm. sure. And it's why I enjoy the work I do for my podcast is that I'm constantly working this through and exploring it and being like, oh, look at that thing happening again. Look at that. Because I definitely have that push-pull between exactly what you said. It's like the part that knows I get to create what I want and that I'm the only one answering to myself and I get to do whatever it is that I want to do. And then the other part that has various drivers and patterns and conditioning that is saying, you're not going to get anywhere if you work like this, or you're not achieving, or why haven't you done enough today? So it's, it's all those voices and that patterning that I'm still working through. I still have it show up where it's like the part of me that kind of doesn't want to relax and have peace. Yeah. So it, it is, I find a constant management between those two and it can get very tiring sometimes managing those two. Yeah. 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 So something that you just mentioned that I think is really important to highlight is this sensation or this experience of not fully wanting to be at rest and at peace and experiencing that inner conflict, which is so, so common against anyone who identifies as a high achiever, myself included, not so much anymore because of the style of the work that I do. But it's something that I see all the time. And one of the things that I'm wondering if you have experience with is just the practice of compassion when it comes to noticing that within yourself, because it's a real fear. It's a real fear that if you slow down, you won't be able to keep up. Or if you slow down, what does that mean? What's beneath the surface? And this struggle of a part of you wanting to feel at peace and at rest, but also not believing that it's possible while achieving your goals. And yet you are an example that it is possible, not only with your past and where you've come from, but it sounds like you've had this really amazing connection to that intuitive voice that's always been there with you right from the very beginning when you decided to leave like media and television to go off on your own this balance between following impulses of courage and then perhaps getting masked again and coming back into the fear or coming back into that egoic part of the mind that wants things done a certain way and wants things look to look a certain way and i know that you live in byron bay now and this is the work that you're pursuing how do you practice in your day-to-day -day life to find more comfort and more safety in experiencing deeper levels of peace and rest? What have you found worked? Because you've made huge progress from where you were to where you are now. And I'm sure that there are some steps or actions that you've taken along the way to get here. Even if you may not be exactly where you want to be, it's huge progress from where I sit and really inspiring <laughs> yeah thank you yeah I definitely yeah huge progress and of course it's always a work in progress and always more depths to get to but I'm very happy with where I am currently and you're right to mention compassion it does take a lot of compassion to hold those parts that are freaking out like that want to be like ah, go 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 and I'm like no not today <laughs> not today <laughs> maybe tomorrow maybe next week and 
Yeah, it's a big question because there's so many different processes that go along with that. So it's like the two that definitely come up are listening to my intuition and then also the nervous system work that I have been doing, specifically even just this year, because I can hold myself in these different parts. And so even though they might be operating and I can feel them in my body, I usually don't uh, act through them or because of them. But there isn't that level of peace, I think, because of the nervous system firing. So that's why I've really enjoyed the other piece in terms of listening to the, like working with the nervous system and unraveling a lot of the contraction and stress patterns that are still existing in my body from all the work I have done. Mm. So the intuition part means that I can lean on that and trust that part of me and act from that place. And then the nervous system work comes in to actually allow that to feel easy and flowing from the beginning. So Mm -hmm. often how that looks for me is I'll get very clear messages from my body that I don't want to work today, for example. And I know that if I was to force myself to sit at the laptop, everything would take longer. I'd get frustrated. I'd probably write crappy emails or produce a crappy episode of the podcast or whatever it is, right? And so I then ask my intuition and sometimes I'll just ask my body because my body's the one giving me the message. And I'm like, body, do you want to work today? I hear a clear, no. (laughs) I'm like, okay. And then I, I do check with my intuition. Like I love to just talk to my higher self. So I believe that's something we can all do. We have those messages coming to us all the time. It's just about whether we recognize them. So I then, I literally go, higher self, I'm feeling like I shouldn't work today. Should I work today? And it'll be like a, no, it's okay. You don't need to do any work today. It's this very calm, loving voice. And sometimes there is this point of sometimes I might not want to work because I'm scared of the task, right? So there's a bit of procrastination energy coming in. So sometimes leaning on the intuition and I can be like, well, I don't think I want to work today. Is that, should I work today? And they're like, they might say yes. Yes. Yeah. Today would be a good day to do that thing. And then I go, oh, I know I can feel it. I can feel that I'm procrastinating because I'm scared of something. And then I do the emotional work to recognize, again, those parts that are scared. It's usually, I feel like I'm going to fail if I say it's a podcast episode I'm avoiding. I feel like I'm going to fail or I don't know what I'm going to say or people are going to hate it or I'm not good enough. It's all those kind of thoughts that come up. And that's where the compassion and the parenting comes in and the love, right? And then once you get all those parts on board, it's like the energy clears and it's, oh, actually, you're right. Yeah, it is a good day to do that episode. So it's like a, a multi-layered conversation between so much nuance it is and it's it's taken me years to get to this place where like that might sound like a lot of work but it's not it's it just happens and then I'll have those days where I actually just really want to work and it's amazing to me because it'll be a beautiful sunny day outside and I'll be like no I don't want to be out there I want to be here because what I'm lit up and I'm excited and the energy's flowing for what I'm doing So for me and where I work, the way I work is trusting those cycles, trusting that. And they're usually short cycles for me. They usually are a day or two long where I don't want to work and then I do want to work. And so trusting that everything I need to get done 
will get done. And it's just sometimes not in the timing that my mind wants it to be in and Mm -hmm. trusting my body to lead me in that, trusting that. It's what I say is I like to do what feels good when it feels good. So I'm not a huge planner because I, my mind can't control what I'm going to be feeling like two days in time. So I might have things booked in. Obviously we have this chat booked in and, but the rest of the time I'm in the moment going, what do I want to do now? Do I want to reply to emails? Do I want to, and I'll look through, I'll, I'll know what I need to do and I'll cherry pick what feels good. And just, I've learned over time that everything gets done. Mm-hmm. Even boring things like tax. There comes a time when I feel like doing that. And it's trusting those cycles and those seasons. And and I think the other thing that's really helping me is that because it's been so instrumental in my health and my happiness, learning all of these things, is that I've chosen to make it one of my main business pursuits is teaching people about this. So therefore, I want to be the experiment. Yeah. So I, it's that permission piece for myself of going, I really want to push the edges of this envelope to really see, can I create another business working like this? Because I want to be the example for other people. So even though I've done it with my other business, it's this one's really unique because I'm starting from scratch in mm-hmm. this way. And so that helps me sometimes when I get stuck or it's, well, no, this is, this is the experiment. That's what I tell my mind. Yeah. It's not, there's no pressure here. We're just experimenting. We're just like, can we push it in terms of doing, only doing what feels good? Like that's my experiment. I really appreciate everything you've shared and your emphasis on trust and flexibility trust and flexibility within your system and really trusting that you know that you are a motivated individual. You've proven to yourself that you're capable and you can follow through and that's going to come back around. I think that is such a huge thing. We get caught up in, in our mind, almost doubting that if we don't do it right now, it's never going to get done. But our track record shows that actually we are someone that follows through on things. We are someone that can create success and take the right actions. And that we don't lose that aspect of ourselves. It doesn't just disappear because it's inherently a part of our nature, a part of our personality, motivated by all of our life experiences. And something really important that I'd like to highlight what you shared was the difference that you notice within yourself when you're procrastinating because you're fearful of an outcome, of a perception, of something beneath the surface And perhaps procrastination that arises when it's a sign that actually you're forcing yourself to take action, but instead rest would be the better choice. And I'm wondering if you can share from your personal experience how you notice the difference and how fear presents in you specifically. Yeah, I think they have different frequencies and that's probably a hard thing for people to hear because it's well what is how does that feel because it's different for everyone so I know someone once explained it like like this so I'll tell this story as well it's when you please do (laughs) okay you've been invited to a party right and and there is that 
excite, there's that nervous excitement about going. And that nervous excitement is fear. It's, oh, I don't know who's going to be there. And what if I'm weird and awkward? And, well, I don't know, but there is that excitement, right? But there's that fear of, and that fear sometimes can be like, oh, I'm just not going to go. It's too hard. <laughs> I don't know that yeah. introverted fear versus when you're just, you think about the party and you're like, oh, no. Oh, I think can't, no thanks. Can't even think about leaving the house today. And it's just such a clear, straight, like, no, which for me would come from my body. My body would be the one going, uh, no, thanks. When I'm scared to do something, I feel fear. Like I can feel it. Mm. In my, it might come out as anxiety for a lot of people or not wanting to look at something. Like when you really, you're just like, oh, I know that thing over there. And there's this, for me, it's in my soul plexus, in my stomach. I'm like, there's this. No, thanks. Versus if I don't want to do something because it's either out of alignment or I just know it's not the right time to do it, there's, it's more like soft, like almost like a heavier no. There isn't that buzzing kind of fear energy. So, yeah, it is in the body. And then I will back it up with asking my higher self more questions. So I'll be mm -hmm. like, why don't I feel like doing that thing? Is it okay not to do that thing today? The question I like to ask is, like I'll use the podcast recording episode as an example again. It's if I had thought in my mind, oh, it's Wednesday, I'm going to record the podcast episode today. And then it comes to Wednesday and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I do not feel like doing it. And it's that real strong body. No, I'll ask a question. What's the most aligned day for me to record this episode? And I'll literally hear Thursday or Friday. And then I just trust that. And I go, cool, great. And I allow myself to relax knowing that Wednesday today is not the day to do it. And it so far, it's always worked. So if, like using my example, Thursday will roll around and I'll be like, oh, yes, I have energy and it's amazing and the sound is good. There aren't dogs barking outside or whatever. The alignment works, right? So yeah. I start with my body and then I allow my mind to be soothed or backed up by listening to my intuition, which mm. I call my high self. It sounds like when you are inquiring into the reasons why you're experiencing resistance to something when it's resistance coming from a space of this simply isn't the right day or time or the right moment for the specific action you experience and correct me if i've picked it up wrong a deeper sense of grounding a deep of sense of grounding and security and trust in yourself as opposed to an experience of being frazzled and being pulled and torn in multiple different directions and having a really strong emotional reaction and this almost uncontrollable need and urgency to simply tick the box off and do that thing. Does that I, sound true I for used you? to have that. Yeah. That's a very familiar We all did. <laughs> I think everyone listening that has <laughs> or still does. Yeah. That's what we're working through. Yeah. And like I've set up my life so that now I'm not in those places, but I definitely like even I'd learned all the things that I'm talking about. I've definitely refined them a lot over the last year, but even when I was running my business, I, ha I knew this stuff and there were still times. So I actually had two businesses. So I had at the same time, I had another completely different business running a retail store that sold organic maker and skincare. 
So I had two businesses the last four years of that Wheatbacks journey. And so there would be times where um, I felt time crunch, right? I think that's often when we get into that really. Yeah, the overwhelm, the anxiety. Yeah, it's because we have this list and we have a time limit in which to do it. And so I guess now I don't have those experiences and they may still come. I'm sure there'll be times where I have, whoops, put too much on my plate and I feel a time All of us. for whatever reason. Right? All of us. And I feel like when that happened and when I still get, I get echoes of that now, like my body knows that experience and I'm feeling it in my body now because we're talking about it. And what I do is I stop. Like even yesterday, I was having a really like really good productive day and I get those nervous system echoes of that. Yeah. <laughs> Frazzlement. So, yeah. so I Panic. stop. I stop. I stop and I bring my consciousness into my body and I'm like tracking through my body and being like, okay, what's going on? And obviously the first thing most people do is breathe, right? We have this thing of, hmm. it's like allowing that breath to come in and then I'll either shake or dance or move my body to let my body know that it doesn't have to contract and hold on to that stress feeling. And obviously when they're like yesterday, it's super easy to do because there aren't actual real stress. It's just me trying to tick off things off the to-do list. Mm -hmm. But I think when we get in those moments where we actually are in time crunch and there are actual yet real things to Mm -hmm. get done, it can feel so hard to stop. Because we have such that internal driving of go, oh my God, we have to go fast, have to go as fast as we can. So I think it's just brave for people to be able to actually just stop. Yeah. And actually be like, I'm going to take three minutes and I'm just going to sit here and breathe. I think that's really valuable because as we know, when we're in those modes, we're not thinking clearly. We're probably going to do really stupid things that actually take more time because like, I remember when I was running around trying to get a market ready, for example, bump in day. And the, that would be the day I lose my wallet. I leave it at the cafe. Like we do stupid yeah. things. So in those times, it's actually I can afford three minutes out of my day huh, to stop, to get back into my body, to move my body around, to really feel. And then also say yesterday where there were, wasn't that time crunch, I just got a bit stressed. I was like, okay, cool. I'm managing my thoughts at the same time. I'm like telling myself, Kim, there's nothing like serious going on here. You know, you don't have to do any more. I know you're feeling really motivated to work and you want to maximize. That's where my time crunch comes in. I'm like, oh my God, I'm feeling energized and motivated. I want to knock out as much as I can. And that for me is part of being efficient with my time. So these days I can get a lot more done in an hour than maybe three hours a couple of years ago. But when I'm in those moods and I'm managing my thoughts, then I also just go for a walk. So we're mm-hmm. lucky around here. Obviously, we have lots of beautiful nature spots. So I just walked and I allow through the walking and the seeing, allowing my vision to move out into a wider scope and to remind my body there's nothing serious going on. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You don't have to get stressed. There's nothing scary. We're not getting chased by a tiger. Nothing's going to fall over. So, yeah, I hope that adds to your questions. It's like some of the things yeah. that I'm It really does. And it's a really beautiful and clear way of describing the the power of the mind-body connection and the kind of depiction of when we are in the depths of a strong experience, that urgency, that overwhelm, that anxiety, 
one of our first impulses is going to be to act or to not act and sit paralyzed and stuck in that emotion. And it's an interesting balance between finding or cultivating safety in the body and also managing the mind and the thoughts that are coming up that are either propelling us to move with force or us and making us have one foot on the brake while one foot is on the gas and this kind of like inner push-pull. And what I notice with many people is, and how you described is, we often think that stopping what we're doing is going to completely take too much time and throw us off schedule even more. But actually sitting in that experience of either forceful action where you're discombobulated, you're not thinking clearly, and you're a bit frantic and internally on overdrive, or the opposite, feeling completely stuck in procrastination, immobilized, and unable to do the thing that needs to be done, but your mind won't shut off. And it's obsessing over it and even blaming you that you should be able to do it. And that inner critic comes in or the outer critic where now it's judging our environment. Well, if this was more perfect in my environment, then I would be able to reconnect with motivation or that clarity to take the right action or move through procrastination. And how you're describing your interception of that pattern, go for a walk or anchoring in the present moment by widening your awareness into your surroundings, actually has the power, and this is science, it's proven, to bring you back into a state of inner stability and inner grounding quicker than fighting against that emotion or that experience and being in that resistance. And it's such an interesting thing to be bringing up in this conversation. I had no idea that it would go this way. But the mind-body connection really, from my experience, is the most powerful and most effective way to move through these patterns, especially these strong emotional experiences that keep us stuck in this experience of resistance and this experience of force that pull us further away from experiencing deeper levels of peace, deeper levels of contentment, deeper levels of that trust. You've mentioned trust quite a bit in this conversation, and that doesn't happen by accident. That is a reflection of how much work you've put into exploring your internal world and learning to be with your external experience in a way that actually feels good for you. And that's such an underrated thing. Many people have that resistance or this like unconscious fear that feeling good isn't quite possible or it's something that you have to strive for. And it's not something that you can experience in the present moment unless you earn it. And I love the way you described the tools that you use to reconnect with your internal motivation by managing the thoughts in your mind, being really aware of them, and also taking action that is going to alleviate some of that tension that's building up internally. And this is perhaps an invitation for the listeners to consider how you re react in these moments where you're feeling the deadlines approaching, where you're feeling like you're in a time crunch and that you need to tick off all of these things off your to-do list. Do you need to tick them off now? Or is there a sense of urgency internally that's convincing you that it needs to be prioritized now? And if it doesn't have to happen right now, 
can you take five minutes just to explore and experiment to see what happens if you do step away and do something else? Because I find that's the quickest way back to balance. That's the quickest way back to equilibrium and to break that pattern of resistance and overwhelm and inner tension. It's not always taking off the things on your to-do list. Sometimes it's a completely different action that we think is pointless or that a part of us says it's going to be a waste of time or that we haven't earned it yet. We haven't earned the rest yet. But actually, that's what's going to help us be more productive. And you illustrated it so beautifully and so simply on how simple it can be. I think the human mind also has this really beautiful inbuilt system of intellectualizing everything and intellectualizing our experience and convincing us to achieve a deeper sense of peace or rest. We have to go through some complicated experiences or some complicated tools and techniques to get there. But sometimes it can be as simple as what you described as questioning your thoughts, really inquiring with them. Are they true? And taking just a few moments to be outside in the sun, in the fresh air and really connecting with your environment. And that's simple. That's free. You don't need to pay for that. It's something everyone can do. And to practice experiencing that as safe, as something that you actually lean on instead of forcing yourself to do. And that's like you, you described a process. It's something that you've been working on for a while to get there. And I'm wondering if you've, throughout your journey of coming from the space of appreciating success, appreciating achievement, and having a desire to interact with the 3D world the way you do and leave your mark on it in a way, and at the same time being really mindful of who you are as a person now and how you want to feel and show up, I'm wondering if along your journey you've had experiences with getting help for this sort of thing or if this is something that you've just figured out on your own and would you change anything about it oh no no gosh no i have not done this on my own at all <laughs> like i mentioned big self-development junkie so mm. i read a lot of books podcasts have definitely been a huge help learned so much through podcasts and then i have along the way just intuitively found and being led to amazing practitioners. So mm -hmm. I have for the last five years been working with a kinesiologist who's also very in touch with spirit and channels a lot as well. Super helpful in just helping to clear those patterns and things I couldn't even see. That's what I love about kinesiology. Like this, oh, it's because this thing's happening in this past life, things happened and this thing happened and your body's reacting like this and this is going on. All right, we'll just balance that out and clear, blah, 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 blah. And then I'm doing hypnotherapy at the moment. I have an incredible intuitive healer who masquerades as an osteo, but he does mostly intuitive healing. So there's a lot that I'm learning and managing on my own through just having experiences, right? I think a lot of the times we don't actually need to be digging as much as what a lot of self-development lovers do. Like I'm not one for being like, right, what's all the things I need to fix and go dig? I'm only working on things that just are coming up because of the experiences in my life. I don't think we need to go hunt them down. Like life is enough, right? Life is enough. For things sure. Come up. Couldn't agree yeah. more. <laughs> get triggered. I'm like, oh, why is that? And and I get drawn to things. So I'll be reading a particular book that just really helps me in a moment. I've just finished The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer that I've been reading for seven years. 
So throughout those seven years, I go back to it and I pick it up again and I'm like, oh, it's perfect. And so. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's legit. That was the book that jump started my journey like 10 years ago. And I like I reread it every couple of years to see what stands out that didn't. That's so interesting. Yeah. 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 And and so many amazing books like that I started with The Artist's Way. That was the thing that took me 12 years ago. Which makes sense as a creative that you would be drawn to that. The wheatbag side of things and all that creation yeah. was through the artist's way and looking at all that stuff that she gets you to do. So yeah, I so many healers and different things, and it's me doing the work and constantly integrating those tools. So it's not just I'm a big believer in that it comes from inside of us. So yes, I get support through practitioners and it's super helpful, but it's more about what am I doing with then with that information, how am I integrating it? And then how am I showing up in day-to-day life? But I, yeah, I definitely don't think I could be someone that would have gotten to where I am now without all the help, (laughs) books, podcasts, practitioners, Mm -hmm. online courses. Yeah, it's all in, it's all the learning and it's all the, it filters in and has been so helpful for me. A question that just came to mind as I was listening to you, to you respond to that question is, was your interest in personal development and this healing journey jump-started by your dark night of the soul and your breakdown or your like lowest low, or were you in some way on it before? I think I've always been on it. I've been, I was a very spiritual child. Um, like I'm definitely the rainbow sheep of my family. So I've always been interested in crystals and meditation and that's always been there. And then what really jump-started it was actually when I first came to Byron Bay. I, my partner at the time was filming a documentary here. So I came up with him from Melbourne and we were only here for two or three months. And I remember perusing a bookstore and I picked out... The bookstore in Byron? I, forgot, I almost <laughs> forgotten her name. So I picked out Louise Hayes' You Can Heal Your Life. Mm. So I really think that was, that was my first book. If Michael Singer was yours, that was, yeah. Louise Hay was my Louise. first real kind of like, oh, interesting. And she's talking, that book is all about mind-body connection, mm. like 100%. So it's, I've got this ailment, what does it mean? And so that, that kind of was that first sort of kick drive. And then I was, I think, studying massage as well, like having that body connection started, kick-started my energy system. Without me knowing it, like I got told by healers later, they're like, oh, you're such a metaphysical healer. So that's why you're so popular. It's not because of the physical things you're doing. You're actually healing people energetically at the same time. Mm. And because I didn't know what I was doing, that's probably why I got super tired and super drained and stopped massaging. But it's interesting. I look back and I had so many messages from my intuition to learn Reiki at that time. And I ignored it because I was like, oh, I don't have the money. I don't have the money. And then they found me a Reiki, amazing Reiki practitioner, teacher who took donations. <laughs> so they're like, we've solved that problem. For yeah, this the year. universe is here you go. <laughs> so you I are finally meant to do this. <laughs> finally did Reiki. And, and that, the, I think the attunement that happens in that. And she, she doesn't teach by the book Reiki. It was more intuitive healing that she was teaching and amazing teacher out in the bush. And you just go out and stay with her for the weekend. And so that kind of really kick-started that spiritual side that was always there, but needed nurturing. It was like the small little ember and then it was getting some fuel and some life. 
so yeah, Reiki, I think really kickstarted that intuitive energetic system. And I realized, I was like, ah, oh, if only I'd done this three or four years ago, I could have been doing more energetic healing instead of the physical massage that was really hurting my body. So it's classic thing of not listening to my intuition and making yeah. life harder. We all have that. And I think it's yeah. a constant practice that we're going to all be on the journey until our very last day on this earth is really just honing in and listening to that part of us. Mm -hmm. Because inevitably, our external environment does impact how we feel, how we think, what we sense in our bodies, and even the most, I'll use this word with caution, but the most like awakened or aware soul is not immune to being human and everything that's encompassed in, encompassed in our human experience, all of the emotion all of the triggers that we experience and relationships are biggest teachers unless we're sitting alone by ourselves in the Himalayas somewhere meditating and not having to think about these things. It's definitely a journey to stay connected with that intuitive part of us that actually is sending little signals of the path or the direction that we're meant to go on, just like you're explaining with your energy healing and having found massage and then your business and leaving your job and actually trusting that's the way instead of forcing yourself to stay in an environment that actually is perhaps making you physically sick or unwell. Yeah. And obviously the physical body telling us that we're needing to move on to something new is it's often through the path of getting sick or being unwell, Yeah, which is unfortunate. It's a lot of people's journey, definitely. I've in interviewed people who have been in hospital like they were listening, yeah. they weren't listening to the point where the, the body was like, all right, then fine. <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. So it's nice to be able to listen to the intuition. And I'm learning, and Michael Singer has definitely helped me with this, is that it's not about trying to make our lives perfect and trying to own, control our environment to the point where we only have good experiences in our life. And I'm very guilty of that. Like, I love good experiences and I definitely do try to control and manipulate my life so that I'm only experiencing good things. And some people can take this idea of following the intuition and think that it's the, the path of intuition is the easiest path and the, mm. the smoothest path and nothing bad ever happens. And that would just be really boring for our souls. So okay. I really, yeah, I do take that kind of view Again, Michael Singer is very good at that. It's like sitting back and just being like a witness and being like, this life is hilarious. As he says, we're on a dirt ball of randomness spinning through empty space and having all these experiences happen to us. And we're the ones that label them good or bad. And that's where our suffering comes from. So if we yeah. can, I'm really coming to this place of, luckily I don't have many bad experiences in my life, but I also don't want to avoid them or like they are still experiences and my soul is here wanting to experience life and that's why we're here. So yeah. it's not about avoiding the bad things and just really appreciating the good things, obviously, when they are around. Absolutely. Oh, that could be a whole other episode in itself, um, the good and bad, the controlling of the life and how that shows up because we are naturally all controlling whether we want to admit it or not. And it presents in our everyday experiences, our thoughts, our sensations, our reactions in really subtle ways. And growing the capacity to catch ourselves in that 
without judging ourselves for doing it is what transmutes that resistance that many of us experience. And that's how we create more internal space and more internal freedom and more internal capacity to navigate those challenges that are inevitable of our human experience or those bad moments as we label them or the simply unwelcome or unwanted experiences. Learning to be with them without that judgment is what makes it allows us to think more clearly and be more conscious in our responses. But I think we should leave that for a completely separate conversation because I can go on that topic for hours. But I do think it's a beautiful time to transition into our last question because it ties so well with what you just shared. So Kim, where and when do you feel most like yourself? I feel most like myself when I am being very silly <laughs> and I've, I'm lit up inside. And in terms of when that is, it's really random. And if I could predict when those moments happen, then obviously my mind would try to control it so that I'm always in that position. Because sometimes I'll just have these moments where that energy just flows through that my body. We've all experienced it. It's that high, right? It's like where your heart's really open. You feel just really like in the moment and you feel very grateful and appreciative. And I'll often have those moments when I'm walking at the beach, but then sometimes it's just random. Like I'll just be walking through the house and boom, it hits me. And I feel that's when I feel like myself because the mind isn't going on and I'm not worried about the future or thinking about the past. It is really that present moment aliveness. Um, and I'm just being me in my body. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you for that. And thank you for joining me here today. Mm, thank you very much. Been a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to this conversation with myself, Violetta, and Kim Stark. If you want to check Kim out and get involved in what she does and her mission, go check out her podcast, Slow Down and Thrive. You can also hit her up on Instagram at Kim Stark. But of course, all of this will be posted in the show notes below. If you loved what you heard, the best way you can support this podcast is by sharing it with three friends and also by leaving a five-star written review on iTunes. We have a big goal of reaching and connecting one million women who have a desire to learn, grow, live, and lead from a place of alignment, confidence, self-trust, authenticity, and inner peace. And by sharing this episode with friends or colleagues, you can help us reach this audacious goal. This is how generational change happens. One woman reclaiming her voice and her power at a time. As always, take what resonates and leave what doesn't. Cheers to your health, wealth, and happiness, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Remember, expansive education plus inspired action equals an impactful life. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at expand and impact. 